0: Welcome to TCC Alive, a podcast of Tulare Community Church. Remember, a word made valuable because of man's constant forgetfulness. At places of value, they stack stones up high as a sign to remind. Life's journeys and events in our past have created landmark locations. It's imperative we learn, teach, and grow from these situations. These are places that bring a smile or a frown, places where situations still cause questions to swirl around. In plain clothes off duty with every intention to see my family, seeing this location, it reminds me of the calamity. It's in that moment seeing a location transports me back through time to a situation back in uniform replaying the crime in my mind. At the Virginia Motor Lodge Motel on K Street in Tulare early Thursday. Security video shows Langdon along with her twin boys being escorted to the property
1: by Tulare police just before 9 p.m.
0: What could I have done differently? Where did I go wrong? Dear God, I need you to help keep me strong. If life were a highway, there's only one on-ramp and one exit. From dust to dust, so the Bible tells it. Luckily for us, this journey is made with friends. The Bible has teachings full of wisdom that transcends. John fifteen thirteen. no greater love hath a man than to lay down his life for a friend. Remember the proud and brave how their lives Just came to end. Seven, An officer attempted to make a traffic stop on the suspect's car
1: at Pleasant and Cherry, but the driver failed to pull over. Officers pursued the car until it stopped on the outskirts of town. As the canine was sent out, shots rang out from the suspect's car, so the officers returned fire. The devastating outcome has stunned the community.
0: With honor and valor, the community they did serve. Adoration and our blessings are what they deserve. As I tell my stories to the next generation who will bring justice, it is doing the job with honor and respect that our community will trust us. You are called, appointed, anointed to bring justice to the land. Against all attacks of the evil one, through Christ Jesus, you will withstand. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. Matthew 5, 9. When I put on my uniform, I take seriously my role in God's grand design. It makes me proud to look back at a location, to know that my character, compassion and nature improve public relations. Then the young will look here and remember. In this spot, an officer didn't greet me with a temper, but instead with honor and respect as a fellow community member. For that I am proud of my city's members wearing blue and my prayer for them daily is that the Lord will see them through. So we have a spot, and we marked it with rocks. It's not enough just to remember the winds and hard knocks. Step two in the process of growth after remembering is believe. Believing that God was there with me gives me reprieve. My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. It is in and through him that my past experiences provide worth. You are my strong defense. Jesus, my faith is in you. Because of what these stones represent, I know you'll see me through. Now as I place the final rock upon this stack, I remember and believe the Lord has my back.
1: hey welcome to Tulare Community Church. Uh, My name is Ty Davis. I'm the director of operations here Um, and uh, I have to say looking at that video, wow what a powerful video that was. If you couldn't tell by the video, our theme for this morning is remember and believe. Now I got this idea after going on a ride-along with one of our officers here in town. And the officer, without asking me, took me to a few locations in town where something significant had happened to him. And for me, not knowing anything about the situations, in each of those locations, it just looked like any other alley or building here in Tulare. But to the officer, I could tell that it was something more. That location brought him back to a certain moment of feeling, and I thought to myself in that moment, we all have this, Right? We all know what this is. We all have places that evoke memories and emotions in our mind and our memories that are sometimes all too real, both the good and the bad. Remember is an important word. For some of you watching that video, there were locations that evoked really strong emotions. I know as a staff, when we were talking about the video and talking about this idea, we really wanted to portray something very real, but do it in a respectful and honoring way. And yet, after watching it and knowing full well where the video was going to go, Steve and I both felt in moments during that video just a gut punch. Memories are powerful and important. But it's not enough just to remember something. We have to get to the point where we learn something from it. Now, I'm not the type of person that's going to hyper-spiritualize everything, but I think far too often when we try to remember situations and things that happened, We forget to include God's role in those situations. We can recap our role in those situations, what happened to us pretty well. And sometimes if we're really good, we can actually learn something from it. We can take a life lesson from it as well. But rarely do we believe that God was there in that situation with us. Remember and believe is what we're talking about today. Before we dive into the scriptures, I want to tell you guys how pumped I am about today. This is my favorite Sunday by far. This is my favorite event that we do here at Tulare Community Church. And it's because I love my city and I respect the heck out of what our Tulare Police Department does for our community. Would you guys give them one more round of applause? And I I have to say this. I have to say we were met with some adversity this week when we were trying to get everything ready for today, I think the devil knew what kind of momentum this day was going to create because when we came in here Thursday night to practice for you all, to get ready for this day, to our surprise, we quickly found out that we had been robbed. We had been robbed. Yeah, this is no joke. Our bass guitar, our microphones, our monitor system, shoot, they even took the chips and salsa out of the kitchen. Okay, the salsa bandits strike again. Before we admire and praise our PD here with us, I got to share something that my good buddy Chris Nolan, the drummer, you can find him outside after the service if you want, but he said this on Thursday night and I couldn't help but agree with him, would you guys in blue just learn to do your jobs? I mean, can you not, can you not predict crime yet? What's going on here? Help us out a little bit. No, no, I'm joking, I'm joking. All kidding aside, we are super glad that you guys are all here. We're going to be taking a special offering for everything that was lost, and so uh, glad to have a full house here today. Um, Joshua chapter 3 and chapter 4 is where we're going to be at mostly today, and so as you're turning there in your Bible or getting there on your phone, I want to give you guys just a little bit of background that will be helpful for understanding this story today. So the Israelite people had been enslaved by uh, Egypt for hundreds and hundreds of years before God used Moses to free his people. Now you may remember upon leaving Egypt, they were chased by the Egyptians, and Moses parts the Red Sea, and God's people escape. Now this is going to be important later. But from there, the Israelites wandered across the desert, whining and complaining to the point that the first generation is actually told that they're never going to see the land that God had promised them. Now, in the book of Deuteronomy, which is the book right before Joseph, Moses uses one word over and over again. And it's this word, remember. Remember. He begs and begs the people to remember their history, to remember God's laws. Now, Moses knew how susceptible we are as people to forget. Every husband in the room right now knows this, too, because his wife sitting next to him is nodding nodding their head in agreement, right? We as people forgetful so Moses passes this baton off to Joseph who's going to lead the next generation of Israelites into the promised land and he ultimately dies but before going he sees the promised land from Mount Nebo now before he dies he also says something to the people in Deuteronomy chapter 31 verse 2 and 3 he says this the Lord has told me you will not cross the Jordan River But the Lord your God himself will cross over ahead of you. He will destroy the nations living there, and you will take possession of their land. Joshua will lead you across the river, just as the Lord has promised. Now the Israelites, listening to this, would have immediately remembered the stories from their parents and grandparents about how they were chased through the desert and how they crossed the Red Sea to escape the Egyptians. And with this, that great memory in mind, and now this promise that they had heard, I'm sure that they were feeling pretty confident. So let's fast forward now to Joshua chapter 3. Let's take it a couple of verses at a time, starting with verse 1 and 2. It says, Early the next morning, Joshua and all the Israelites left Acacia Grove and arrived at the banks of the Jordan River, where they camped before crossing. Three days later, the Israelite officers went through the camp. Now God told them, in chapter 1, to wait at the river for three days. For three days, these people camped at the river, and they watched how fast it was rushing, how fast this water was rushing in front of them. It was the flood season during this time, so the Jordan River was roaring at this point in time. All of a sudden, I'm sure they wondered, how are we going to cross this? A nation of millions of people carrying all of our possessions, how can we make it? And in this moment, all that confidence that they had was beginning to waver. But the Israelites were there by faith, and they were ready to act. They were waiting for Joseph to give them his command to follow. You see, faith is always accompanied by action. Faith without works is dead. This is the type of faith on display in this story. Let's pick it back up, verse 3 and 4. Giving these instructions to the people, when you see the Levitical priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God, move out from your positions and follow them. Since you have never traveled this way before, they will guide you. Stay about half a mile behind them, keeping a clear distance between you and the Ark. Make sure you don't come any closer. So Joshua, Joshua didn't dispatch the traffic unit to prepare a safe line of passage for his people. Joshua sent the priests. With the ark. Now the Ark of the Covenant was the place where God met with his people. In the Old Testament it was a special place. Only the high priest could visit the Ark one day out of the entire year. So it would have been covered in animal skins at this point in time when it was being traveled with so that no one could see it. But it was a strong sign to the people. It made them confident because it represented that the Lord was going out ahead of them. The Lord was protecting them. The Lord was going to make a way for them. And when I was reading that, I felt convicted. Because I don't think that I do a good job of remembering that God is always out ahead of me. I think as I was looking back, I often think when I'm in a situation, how am I going to handle the situation? And then when I finally do realize, oh, hey, this thing just fell right in my lap. This is like the perfect piece to the puzzle I was needing. Man, God must have been out ahead of us. Yeah, you think He is always out ahead of us. He is always in front of us. We need to remember and believe that the Lord is going ahead of us, making a way today and tomorrow, always and forever. Let's pick it back up in verse 5. Then Joshua told the people, Purify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do great wonders among you. Now I love this. Purify yourselves. Sanctify yourselves. Prepare yourselves today... And watch God do something great for you tomorrow. Get ready. Prepare yourselves today because God is going to do something amazing among you tomorrow. We shouldn't wait to prepare our hearts for the Lord until we need Him. We need to prepare our hearts, focus our hearts on the Lord today so that we're ready and we're expectant for Him to do something amazing among us tomorrow. Pick it up again in verse 6 through 8. In the morning, Joshua said to the priests, Lift up the Ark of the Covenant and lead the people across the river. And so they started out and went ahead of the people. The Lord told Joshua, Today I will begin to make you a great leader in the eyes of all the Israelites. They will know that I am with you just as I was with Moses. Give this commandment to the priests who carry the Ark of the Covenant. When you reach the banks of the Jordan River, take a few steps into the river and stop there. Now it's important to note the difference between the crossing of the Jordan in this story and the crossing of the Red Sea. The Israelites from the generation before had Moses who walked out ahead of them to the water's edge. He raised his staff over the water and then it was at that that moment that God used it to part the sea and the Israelites could walk through. With the Jordan, God directed Joseph to command the priest to step into the Jordan with the ark. Now that's, that's very different. God's people, specifically the priests, had to step into class six rapids in faith that God would act, believing that they wouldn't be washed away. And it reminded me of a time when I had to take the first step into some water. Would you guys mind if I share just a quick story with you, just real quick? Okay. I was maybe 10 or 11 years old, and my grandpa and my uncles uh, took me duck hunting. The first time. I had never been, Right. And when we got to the location and we set up camp, we had some extra time afterwards, and so I was looking around and I saw a little area where a few guys were selling duck hunting stuff. And so I went over to check it out, and they had this table set up and it had a whole table full of magazines, wildlife magazines. And I remember looking at them, and in almost every single magazine there was a picture of a water snake, kind of cutting through the reeds and the grass, right in the water. And I was, I remember just like thinking to myself, "What in the heck am I getting myself into?" Right. And then all night, all I could think about when I was laying in my bed was that at four in the morning, my grandpa was going to wake us up, and we were going to have to get in that snake-infested water, right? So the morning comes, and I'm, I'm deathly afraid of snakes. People, if you don't know me, like seeing one gives me a heart attack on the spot, right? And so I'm deathly afraid. We start racing to our spot, and my uncle doesn't want us to lose our spot. And so we get to the water's edge, and he goes and wades right in. And guys, I couldn't do it. I was so scared in that moment. I looked like a cat next to a bathtub. I was not going to get in there. I needed the ark with me. The only reason I got in the water was because my uncle threatened to kill me. And well, he had a gun. We were duck hunting. So I got in. But I was crying. I was complaining. I was the biggest wimp. But I didn't care because I knew for a fact I wasn't going to make it out alive anyways. This story would never be told. Here we are today. So I can only imagine what those priests felt like getting in. The order to step into the rapids, to step into that roaring water, the enemy waiting on the other side, and yet in faith, they stepped out anyways. As we approach turbulent waters in our life, as we approach hard circumstances, we need to remember the words of Isaiah, chapter 43, verse 2. It says, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. Let's pick it back up in verse 9. So Joshua told the Israelites, Come and listen to what the Lord your God says. Today you will know that the living God is among you. He will surely drive out the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Parasites, the Girgashites, the Amorites, the Jebusites, the Termites, and the Desmites. Look, the Ark of the Covenant, which belongs to the Lord of the whole earth, will lead you across the Jordan River. Now choose twelve men from the tribes of Israel, one from each tribe. The priests will carry the Ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, as soon as their feet touch the water... The flow of water will be cut off upstream, and the river will stand up like a wall. So the people left their camps to cross the Jordan, and the priests who were carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. It was the harvest season, and the Jordan was overflowing its banks. But as soon as their feet of the priests who were carrying the Ark touched the water at the river's edge, the water above that point began backing up a great distance away at a town called Adom, which is near Zarethan, and the water below that point flowed onto the Dead Sea until the riverbed was dry. Then all the people crossed over near the town of Jericho. Meanwhile, the priests who were carrying the Ark of the Lord's Covenant stood on dry ground in the middle of the riverbed as the people passed by. They waited there until the whole nation of Israel had crossed the Jordan on dry ground. When all the people had crossed the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Now choose twelve men, one from each tribe. Tell them, Take twelve stones from the very place where the priests are standing in the middle of the Jordan. Carry them out and pile them up at the place where you will camp tonight. So Joshua called together the 12 men he had chosen, one from each of the tribes of Israel, and he told them, Go into the middle of the Jordan, in front of the ark of the Lord your God. Each of you must pick up one stone and carry it on your shoulder, 12 stones in all, one for each of the 12 tribes of Israel. We will use these stones to build a memorial in the future. Your children will ask, What do these stones mean? Now there was a traditional practice done by pagans in the middle east long before the israelites entered into the promised land called sacred stones and people would stack stones to honor their gods to declare covenants and treaties between other cities or um, to honor an important event that could only be explained by the supernatural and the stones that they used would be extremely heavy and sometimes stand as tall as 20 feet high The Israelites were following God's command and ancient customs in this chapter by setting up stones as a reminder of God's covenant and supernatural works on their behalf. These stacked stones, also called altars at times, were signs of remembrance. The standing stones would serve to remind the future generations of God's past faithfulness in, in order to give them strength to continue trusting the Lord in their present trials. This practice was done on several occasions in the Bible. Jacob actually set up stones, uh, stone pillars in Bethel to remember where God reaffirmed his covenant with him in Genesis chapter 28. Moses stacked 12 stones standing at the base of Mount Sinai after receiving the Ten Commandments in Exodus. Joshua also built a standing stone when the covenant of the Lord was renewed at Shechem in Joshua chapter 24. So in this instance, 12 men from the 12 tribes of Israel walked back into the Jordan where the priest was standing and they hoist up large boulders onto their shoulders and they march with them for over two miles to stack them at a place where they would camp that night. Now they chose boulders because they best represented the weight of what God had done for them and was doing in leading them into the promised land. And you know, it, it hit me when I was reading this. Could you imagine carrying a boulder on your shoulders for over two miles? I couldn't. I can't do that. Maybe Donnie, but I can't do that stuff. That's just, that's too hard. A boulder on my shoulders for over two miles. I think when I was thinking about this, it hit me, I thought, if I was doing that, I think that what would be going through my mind, every step that I was carrying that boulder would be, why am I doing this? And that question would lead you to an answer in your head. And you would replay what just happened. The fact that God had made a way for you and your family, your future generations, that although there are still uncertainties ahead, it's better than a life in the desert. And you've made it this far because of God's goodness and mercy. So I put myself in their shoes. During times in my life where God entered in, I thought back and I asked myself, did I grab the boulder and hoist it up onto my shoulders or did I settle for the skipping rock? Did I actually carry it with me for two miles or did I forget all about it a few steps later? I think that some of us in this room need to make it a point to go back down into the riverbed where God delivered us, where God redeemed us, and we need to choose the biggest rock that we can carry. We need to pick it up and carry that thing around for a while, letting everyone know who will listen what God has done in and through you. And here's why. Here's why. Standing stones and altars are needed for us as people. First, because the present day situations that we find ourselves in are oftentimes way too cloudy. We all know that hindsight is 2020 We've all looked back on a situation and said, I wish I would have done something differently. And it's making the right decisions in the heat of the moment that's hard. But when we remind ourselves that God was with us in the, our past circumstances, we know if he was with us that he will be in the present and he will never leave you nor forsake you. We, can't take, we can actually take more comfort in knowing that God is with us, even in the midst of the haze. The next step is actually calling upon the knowledge that we gained from our past experiences to inform our current situations on what God would want us to do, what God would lead us to do differently this time. It's also important to set up altars in our lives because the present can be confusing. In my studies this week, I came across a devotional centered on this topic by an anonymous author. And I made, this person made a great, great point using the story of Adam and Eve in the garden when they were tricked by Satan. Satan tricked Eve by asking a leading question in Genesis chapter 3 verse 1. Satan said, did God really say you must not eat from any of the trees in the garden? And Eve answered the serpent with an incorrect answer because her memory was off on what God really did tell her. Eve said in three, chapter 3, verse 3, God said, you must not eat it or even touch it. If you do, you will die. Well, God never said that. She was confused. God said in Genesis chapter 2, 16 and 17, you may freely eat the fruit of every tree in the garden except the tree of knowledge of good and evil. If you eat its fruit, you are sure to die. Adam and Eve didn't remember what God said to them, didn't remember what God did for them in warning them, about the one tree and generously providing for them all the other trees. And what devastating consequences their lack of remembrance has had on all humans and creatures ever since. You see, building altars of remembrance, stack stones for what God has done for us and taught us in the past, helps us in our present day situations. The next reason we need stack stones in our lives is because it's a great way to tell others about Jesus. There are a lot of people who don't care what the Bible says, who don't care what God did 2,000 plus years ago. Studies show over and over again that young Americans are going away from religion. But a lot of those same people do care about what you've experienced, how God impacted your life. And if you ask those people, for example, hey, could I tell you what the Bible says about suffering? Chances are they're going to say no. But if you were to say, hey, can I tell you about a time when I was suffering? Or I saw someone close to me suffering. Nine times out of ten, people are going to agree. And it's in that moment that we have an open door. We have a chance to share a memory of when God did something for us in our lives. In some ways, it's easier to argue with the Bible than it is to tell a person that their experience, what they've actually gone through, is wrong. Let's pick it back up in chapter 4, verse 21. Then Joshua said to the Israelites, In the future your children will ask, What do these stones mean? Then you can tell them this is where the Israelites crossed the Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the river right before your eyes and he kept it dry until you were all across, just as he did it at the Red Sea when he dried it up until we had all crossed over. He did this so all the nations of the earth might know that the Lord's hand is powerful and so you might fear the Lord your God forever. We often fail in our trust of God because the great things that he's done and often the the faith of our children is weak because we don't remember, we don't tell the story of, of the great things that God has done. Our children, their faith is weak because they've never been told how great God is and how great the works are that He's done in our lives. Bible commentator David Guzik says, The purpose of remembering God's great works isn't so that we can live in a dreamland of the past, thinking that the best days of our Christian experiences are behind us. Instead, we remember them as a point of faith, so that we can trust God for greater and greater works in the future because we've seen and experienced His past faithfulness. I think this not only applies to teaching our kids, it applies to training up the next generation of leaders. For example, Pastor Steve has been here at the church for 30 plus years, and he's been training me and the rest of the staff around here based on the stack stones and the altars that he has set up as memories from his time here at TCC and throughout his life. And I think that we see this a lot in our jobs too, especially cops. We have a lot of young people on the force right now, and I think too often we look at the old guard telling us stories of how they did things and and what happened to them, and instead of learning from it, we hear in our heads, as the young person, your ways aren't as good as my ways, the ways that used to be. The way we used to do things was way better than the way you guys do it now. Now sometimes it's because that's actually what they're saying to us as the young person, right? 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 And other times, it's, it's something that's just a voice in our own head. It's our, on, on our own side of the page. But we have to make sure that the memories we're passing along are truthful, full of teachable moments that equip, build, and focus the next generation on what truly matters. And that's what builds not only our police department up strong, but our church as well. Remembering and teaching the next generation what God did and how God interacted with us. But like the video said, it's not enough to just remember the good times and the bad times, but to actually learn from them so that we know what to do when a similar situation comes around. We have to believe, and this is an important piece. In each of those locations that you watched in the video, something happened. Now, because of that, we can share those memories with the next generation of police officers and and make some uh, strides in how we do things. We can learn from them, but I do believe that God was there in all of those places, that he was protecting, that he was actually watching over, and that he is going to do something. There is a purpose for what happened in those locations. Remembering is oftentimes the only piece of this practice of stacking stones and building an altar that people ever talk about. A positive change and growth comes from believing it's that faith piece do you have the faith that god will do it again do you have the faith that he will continue to see you through even in the toughest of times do you have the faith that you were placed in uniform for a greater purpose for a greater meaning than yourself do you have faith that you will do what those rocks represent and you will take the first step into the rushing waters each and every one of us in this room actually has a role to play each and every one of us has a role to play in all of this. It's not just about what was, not just the past, but it's about what we are doing in the here and now as well. You and I are living stones, living out our faith. And I want you guys to catch this in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 5. And you are living stones that God is building into His spiritual temple. What's more, you are holy priests. Through the mediation of Jesus Christ, you offer spiritual sacrifices that please God. As Christians... We are living stones. We're living stones. And we should live out our faith so boldly that others actually begin to take notice. And through the sacrifices that please God so much that when our lives are over, God as the grand architect, as the master builder would actually take our stone, our lives, what it represents, and use it to build us into his holy temple. And when I caught this, this switch, I was blown away. We're talking about stacking stones. We're talking about setting up an altar. We're talking about all of these things to remember. But we, the lives that we live in faith, dedicated to Christ, are examples. We are a living stone. God is going to use that to build it into his holy temple. Your life and the way that you live it can one day become stack stones for the next generation to see. The way that you carry yourself for Christ while on duty can be one day used as a remember moment for future cops. Your life one day and how you sacrifice for Christ for your church can one day be a remember moment. And we should all yearn for that. When I die, I want people to say he loved Jesus. He wanted to live his life in a way that mimicked the way that Jesus loved and treated others. He made sacrifices for people to want a relationship. He made sacrifices for people and he always did his best to do what was right. I want my life to inspire others to want a relationship with Jesus Christ. So that when they remember me, they're reminded of their own personal relationship with Jesus Christ. So today I want to encourage you guys to think back. Where are the moments in your life that God may have called you to stack stones up? What did God want you to remember and believe? Let's make it a habit from here on out that in every situation, no matter the shame or the guilt, that we remember and believe that through Christ we are redeemed. That greater is the one living inside of me than he who is living in the world. And sure, there's going to be moments where we're going to lose the battle. And those aren't the greatest memories to capture. But what's more important is that we learn from those tough times. And we remember and believe that because of the cross, we've already won the war. So today we start a new stack of stones right here at TCC and when people ask us what that stack of stones represents, we're going to tell them that it was here in this place on Blue Sunday that Jesus and his name was lifted up and that the church and law enforcement and all of his people came together to start a revival right here in his city, right here in Tulare. So I want to encourage you, I want to challenge you, stand up together, let's worship Jesus' name in this place, let's begin to stack stones. I'm going to invite you to stand up right now, we're going to worship the Lord God, Let's stack a stone in remembrance of what he's doing right here in Tulare.
0: Thanks for listening. If you want to know more about the ministries and mission
1: of Tulare Community Church, visit us at tccalive.org.